you need to know your customer as well as they know themselves. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. Hello and welcome back to Perpetual Traffic episode number 66. We are excited to have a special guest today. Molly found us an awesome guest, Laura Hanley, the author of a brand new book that she just released called Content That Converts, How to Build a Profitable and Predictable B2B Content Marketing Strategy. And she owns a content marketing agency. She's got over a decade of writing experience. She's worked at one of the biggest publishing houses, working on projects like the Twilight movie phenomenon, J.K. Rowling's uh, post Harry Potter publications and personal memoirs of Michael Palin, Nelson Mandela, and Tina Fey. Molly, how the heck did you run into Laura? And uh, welcome to the show, Laura. So I was in Austin, where I live, and I was down the street from my apartment complex, and I was at this little store buying a bottle of wine. And I'm in line and this bearded guy comes up to me and is like, hey, you know, you're Molly in his Australian accent. And he said, I really appreciate your work. You know, I'm a digital marketer lab member. And we started talking and then he introduced me to his wife, the lovely Laura that that we have on today. Um, And then a few days later, I was out on the balcony of my apartment on the phone and I looked down and I saw Laura's husband, Rob, out on the balcony of one of the apartments in the complex. Trimming his beard. And I was like, whoa, like I just met these people. They just moved to Austin and it looks like they're my neighbors. So we reconnected and Rob and Laura have become some of my best friends. So yeah, Laura, happy to have you. Thank you so much. It's been very exciting getting here and I definitely could not have asked for better friends to meet in Austin when we first got there. And now you live in Lisbon? Correct, Lisbon, Portugal. So we were talking about, you know, having another episode on content marketing. And then Lara messaged me the next day and said, hey, I'm writing this book. And the book is about content that converts. I think that content has sort of become a buzzword. People think that they can start a blog and crank out four pieces of content a week and that for some reason this content is going to print dollar bills for them. That's really not the function of content. When we were talking before this episode started, Lara referenced a really astonishing stat from Salesforce. How many touch points someone needs before they actually purchase from you? And how many touch points someone needs if they're going to be a high-valued customer? And most of the touch points that someone needs, you know, aren't retargeting ads necessarily. People need touch points that are pieces of content and value throughout the funnel that really move them through the customer journey. And I think that's why content's so important. It's not about creating a blog where you just cr- you know crank out pieces of content that don't really matter. It's about creating these assets that are really going to benefit your prospects and move them from, you know, I don't know who the heck you are to I can't wait to tell all of my friends about you. 
So yeah, Laura, I just wanted to turn it over to you to really talk about how you see content playing into the customer journey. In most businesses, the vast majority of businesses, customers require between six and eight touch points before they'll make a conversion. So by touch points, they're talking about interactions with you and your brand. So that might be a piece of content like a blog article, a podcast, a YouTube video, um, a Facebook ad, whatever it is, they need to interact with you and not just see your stuff, but interact with it, engage with it six to eight times before they're likely to actually purchase something. Wow, six to eight times. Yeah. <laughs> And and I think this is where a lot of people get stuck with their content marketing is that they write up a blog post or they put out a Facebook ad and expect it to convert people first time around. So if someone sees your ad and it's the first time that they've ever come across your brand or heard any of your messaging, they're very, very unlikely to convert first time around. They might click on it, they might read the article, but they're extremely unlikely to actually make any kind of purchasing decision at that point. So you really need to take a long view with your content marketing that yes, you might have a great blog post or you might have an amazing ad, but you've got to really leverage those things over the long term and make sure that you have the kind of ecosystem in place to follow up with those people, make sure that you're retargeting them, um, make sure that you're showing them multiple pieces of content that are going to move them closer to that conversion point. When people think about content or even writing copy, they're so focused in on, you know, how do I craft the perfect sequence of words? You know, we were talking about this before we started recording. Most people's focus is, you know, how do I write the best copy so that people will buy right now? And you were talking about something interesting and how people really are a few steps ahead of themselves and really how the the avatar process was, was so important. Yeah. So I think that there are three key elements to any successful marketing campaign. And most of the time I see people starting with the third and final element, which is crafting their copy and crafting their messaging. But if you look at any successful campaign, the first two elements have to be knowing your audience and having the right offer to put in front of them. So until you have those two things really nailed down, you really have no business writing any kind of copy. Any direct marketers or copywriters that have uh, become really successful, made lots of money, really made a name for themselves and their businesses have really done so much research about their audience before they ever put pen to paper. So this is something that I really can't emphasize enough is that you need to know your customer as well as they know themselves, that you need to know what keeps them up at night. You need to know what gives them that little pang of anxiety when they drive into the office in the morning. You need to know what they think about when their boss wants to talk to them or you know sends them an email out of the blue you need to really understand the things that drive them particularly in a b2b setting you need to understand the things that drive them in their work understand the sort of underlying problems or fears or issues that they're trying to resolve and only then can you move on to developing an offer for them you see it a lot in startups and, and small businesses that they start with the offer so you might have this great product or an idea for a course or you know, whatever the asset itself is going to be, they start with the asset and have no idea if there's actually an audience for it. So they, you know, go through all of these rounds of product development, do all of this very resource intensive work, and then launch to crickets because they haven't done any research about who the audience is and what kind of offer would actually engage that kind of person. The most important thing to think about 
from a high level perspective before you start any kind of marketing campaign, whether it's Facebook ads, a content marketing strategy, or you know any kind of PPC, SEO, any kind of digital marketing, you need to think very clearly first about who your audience is, do some really uh, in-depth research, develop your avatars, develop a couple of avatars. You know, most businesses have a primary avatar who is the main buyer and the person to whom all of your marketing collateral is directed. But then there are also going to be other people who maybe have slightly different needs or desires, but are still going to get value from your offerings. But you need to know specifically who those people are and how your offers are going to serve them before you start in on the copy and all of the messaging that you put out. Do you have like a specific process that you use for really defining those avatars? I think most businesses have a customer that they've worked with in the past that they think if all of my clients or all of my customers were like that, I would be rich and I would be happy. (laughs) Life would be great. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And so those people, those ideal clients are who you want to model your avatar on. Now, you might not have had an interaction with a customer like that, but you can sort of think about what would be the ideal situation. So where am I going to find people who are like this? So say you have a a service business that works, you know, with corporate clients, then you're not going to spend your time looking at small brick and mortar stores. You're going to go specifically to corporate, then you're going to go, okay, well, which arm of corporate am I serving? Who are the people within that arm that I'm serving? Who do those people interact with? What's their roles? What are their responsibilities? Sort of niche down further and further until you get to the things like, What motivates them to go to this kind of work? How do they get value from their work? What's their self-perception with this work? What will my service enable them to do in their professional setting that will make their career better, make their sense of themselves better? You can sort of hone down gradually, chip away kind of all of the extraneous detail until you have a very clear picture of who that person is and what drives them. You sort of have to start with a very broad picture of who your customers are and then gradually niche it down if you don't have an ideal person in mind. So for me, it's really easy. I have a content client who's just really funny. He's really relaxed, but he's really organized. He pays on time. He's very uh, open to suggestion. He knows his, his business. He knows his customers. And if all of my clients were like that, I would be rich and happy. And most of my clients are, but you know. It sounds like Ralph. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, you've got to really have a clear picture of who those people are, what they're like, how you interact with them, and what they're trying to solve so that you make sure that you're giving them the right stuff. If anyone who is listening is really focusing on the B2B market, especially rewind and listen to what Laura just said, really good questions to ask yourself, especially if you're trying to target someone in the B2B market um, and really speak to someone who maybe works for a big corporation. And if you want more information about figuring out who your avatar is, where to find them on an ad platform, definitely check out episode 30. Um, We did a B2B and a B2C case study all about ad targeting. So if you want some different Google searches that you can do to try to figure out where these people are hanging out, that episode would be great for you. 
Awesome, Laura. So if we figure out who this person is, right? Because you you can't write a piece of content. You can't write ad copy. You really can't even sell a product until you know who this person is. And I know this sounds basic and, and we talk about this a lot, but it's so important, guys. You really have to know who you're selling to or you don't know how to speak to them and you don't really know what they want. A lot of what Ryan Dice talked about at the Content and Commerce Summit was that businesses should be people-centric. Most people's businesses are product-centric. A lot of people, you ask them what they do, and they say, I sell light bulbs, right? Or I sell refrigerators, or I write content. You know, they, they talk about the product that they're actually giving to a market. But if you're really wanting to build a sustainable business, you start to become more people-centric, more market-centric. We always use the example of Chanel. Chanel serves women and styles change, fashion changes, and their products change, but they're serving the same group of people. At Digital Marketer, we try to serve business owners and marketing professionals. So really think about that when you're looking at your customer avatars and when you're looking at your offers, your copy and your content usually comes down to who are you serving and you know how can you provide value to them. One way to understand this is a lot of times we talk about quick wins and lead generation campaigns and website conversions objectives for your Facebook ads. And you might be thinking, okay, well, this sounds really complicated. Well, to make it simple, think about an audience. If you have an audience of a million people on Facebook, it's very similar to you know going to a party with 100 people, maybe that all play golf. And maybe you sell golf instruction or you sell golf clubs or something like that. At that party, there's probably going to be five or 10 people that have intent, are actively in their personal time looking for ways to improve their golf game or looking to buy a new club. The rest of the people at that party aren't. However, if they find out that there's actually a better way or there's a new club or there's there's, there's a better way of doing something, you might turn some of those other 90% from not even being you know hungry about something, not even being aware or interested to all of a sudden having intent. So What Laura's talking about right now is how you scale. So if you have an audience size of, say, a million people, you might have five or 10% of those that are your low-hanging fruit, right? But imagine if you could reach the other 90%. This is how you do it. If you have content that converts, this is how you take the other 90% that are in your target audience, but they don't have intent because you haven't been able to build up that desire and you can't usually do that just in one ad. This is how you scale. Uh, This is how you go after more than just the low hanging fruit. Just the other day, I was listening to James Shramko's podcast and he had mentioned something that Dean Jackson told him, uh, who's one of the smartest guys on the planet. And he said, when I go to write an ad, I think about it like this. This is age old copywriting techniques, but I think about it. If I'm going to write an ad for a new big newspaper or a magazine, I'm going to Pretend they asked me to write an article, okay? And I'm going to write that so it provides tons of value and educates. And then, of course, people are just going to want to buy my stuff so much because it's it comes from a place of authority. And that's how you can really, really go at mass scale. Yeah, and just to add on to that, looking at different platforms, I mean, what Keith's talking about here is if there are people in that crowd that have search intent, you're going to get them on Google AdWords, on you know search pay-per-click marketing. But 
the larger market is the one that's out there that might not be searching for that solution. So you have to know them well enough through your research and through your hook to be able to identify them in a platform like Facebook, where they're not on there to start clicking on ads. But if you captivate them and really understand, you know, what their desires or their fears are because you've done this incredible background and research and you have a good hook, that content is going to bring them into your ecosystem. And as far as scale goes, there's there's no question it's many, many, many times larger on a platform like Facebook or, you know, outside advertising and banner ads and so forth, but specifically Facebook here than it is on search. And that's how you scale to massive levels and really create tribes of people that become your customers. So Laura, I was scrolling through your book and I saw a process for actually creating content because I know a lot of people that are are listening are like, okay, you know, tell me how to create content that converts. So I wondered if we could just touch on that. I thought your process was great and I, I can't think of anyone better to really explain how to actually produce a piece of content that gets someone to buy something. Absolutely. The first thing to know is that there are two different types of content. There's your garden variety content, if you will, the blog posts, YouTube videos, podcasts, the stuff that comes out really regularly from your brand, the stuff that is produced every week. And then you've got long form content, which is like books or training courses, really giant pieces of content that take you a long time to produce, have very high production value and will be sold as a product in their own right. So There are some parallels between how you produce those types of content, but let's start with the more recurring kinds of content. The first thing to know is that you should never just blurt out a piece of content for the sake of publishing something. So many times you see people just throwing up, you know, a half-baked blog post or a YouTube video just because they ran up on a deadline and thought, oh man, I have to publish something today. Uh, Okay, I'll I'll just do this thing that I thought about. That is a really great way to alienate everybody. You're not going to be speaking to any one segment of your audience. You're not going to be positioning yourself to be making effective offers. The messaging is going to be all wrong. So you're not going to have any of the three key elements of a successful campaign. So the first thing to do is think about where your business is at for the next quarter. So what are your business's goals? What do you want to be trying to achieve? What are your sales targets? And then work backwards. So what are the topics that your audience is going to want to hear about that are also going to feed into your business's goals? There has to be sort of an intersection between what you provide and what people are looking to get. So I would always recommend picking a few key topics that you can come back to again and again from different angles. So for example, this podcast is primarily about uh, Facebook ads and paid traffic. There are so many different elements that you can talk about under that main topic that you could talk forever. You know, you could just produce an endless (laughs) amount. And we do. (laughs) (laughs) You can just produce an endless (laughs) amount of content, but Knowing sort of what the umbrella topics are that you want to cover just makes it so much easier to niche down as to what the actual individual pieces are going to be because you want each piece to be strategically linked to the other content that you've produced previously and the content that you will produce in the future. 
So I do this on a quarterly basis, but you can do it on a monthly basis. If you have a very slow moving business, then you could probably do it on a six month basis. It really sort of just depends on the velocity that your business is traveling. But quarterly seems to be a good standard for most people. So what I would do is pick three or four key topics that I want to talk about and then brainstorm three to six ideas for each of those topics. Put them all down in a spreadsheet and schedule them in so that you've got 12 weeks worth of topics covered from a couple of hours work of developing these ideas. Once you've got that, then you can look at the keywords that you want to include. You can look at developing the headlines, uh, but you need to sort of have a very systematic approach to how you're going to produce the content. Because if you are sitting down every week to write a blog post and you think, oh, I've got to write you know, a thousand words and it needs to be published today and I haven't done anything and have no idea what I'm going to talk about, then you're either going to be up extremely late that night or you are not going to publish. Having a plan just makes everything so much easier. A lot of the point of having a quarterly planner like this is to just take a lot of the stress out of the production process. So I think a lot of people kind of psych themselves out because they don't know what they're going to talk about. And so it becomes stressful. And so they kind of condition themselves that content is really hard to produce. And then it just never happens. And it's this big opportunity lost. So plan your topics in advance, plan your headlines in advance, plan your keywords in advance, put it all in a spreadsheet and then make sure that you know who is going to be responsible for writing it. So if you are the person that produces all of the content, I would say develop a routine, a weekly routine that allows you to produce the content ahead of your deadline. So well before, so you've got some wriggle room, but make it something that you really enjoy. You know, go to your favorite cafe, have a nice cup of coffee, sit down and then work through developing this blog post. Condition yourself to make it an enjoyable experience. Oh, I love that. I relate to that so much. I I used to have so much anxiety about writing pieces of content. I'm not sure if it was a confidence thing or I, I think it came from school. You know, I have to write this essay or I have to do this this project. And if you really flip that in your mind and you get excited about it. So the night before, you know, I'll actually get excited. You know, I get to produce this piece of content tomorrow. I get to help more people, you know, through this piece of content. And you look at it differently. You can really condition yourself to get excited about writing, especially if you look at, you know, how does this help me achieve my mission or the purpose and the bigger picture. A lot of people have this deep resistance to writing. So something I do with almost all of my clients, and this is really powerful if you're very busy as well and don't have a lot of time to put into developing content, is that you bullet out the key parts of each piece of content. So maybe you have a blog post about this new type of golf club that's come out and why it's really good. You have the three or four key points that you want to touch on for this blog post. And then instead of writing it all down, just talk it like speak it out, record it and have it transcribed. And then you can just go through and sort of tidy it up, make sure it touches on all of the key points that you've got a few opt-in opportunities throughout. A lot of people have very good verbal processing skills, especially if they're used to speaking for their business. So if you do a lot of presentations or a lot of sales calls, probably the format you're really comfortable in is speech. And so you should really leverage that. There's no rule that says that your blog post has to be written, you know, sitting down at the keyboard. You can record it into your phone or into your computer. However, is easy for you. Send it off to a service like rev.com and they will have it turned around. They just introduced a 12 hour turnaround on transcriptions. So you can have 
have it done really, really quickly. And all of the information that is in your head is now out of your head. It'll take you, you know, 10 or 15 minutes to record all of this information. And then either you or an editor or, you know, somebody who is on your team can go through and just make sure that it's tidy, has all of the right hooks and everything in it and get it all formatted. The hardest part is getting the key information out, all of that core material that you really want to communicate. And so finding the format for your personal style that really works and that you're comfortable with is also another really powerful way of making sure that your content comes out in a way that is compelling to people and is going to create a lot of conversion opportunities. If you hate what you're doing, if you hate the content you're producing, that's going to come through. People are going to think, there's something off about this content. I'm not really getting what I hope to get out of it. You want to kind of be producing stuff that you enjoy yourself because that really comes through in the presentation. So yeah, find the format that works for you and stick with the plan. Voice transcription on phones and on laptops now, I, I use it a, a lot just on emails and just quick tasks. But, you know, when you're creating content, it's never going to come out just the way that you want it to. I mean, some of those even somewhat mediocre Siri-like tools can really help people get over that hump or that fear of staring at that blank page. And that's the biggest thing is you just got to get some momentum and start writing. Yeah, start giving value. There's some people that, that actually specialize in taking that audio file and turning it into a well-written article. It's more expensive than a transcription, but you can find people on Elance Upwork that have good history that will turn that audio file or video file into a article that's meant for like a, a published article or blog. So, Yeah, Laura, you, you were speaking on, you know, if you aren't passionate or you don't enjoy this, it will really come out you know, in your writing. And I totally agree with that. What would you suggest for someone who, you know, has a business and is, you know, passionate about it, but maybe just isn't interested in the the whole content side? Do you recommend them hire someone like yourself or hire someone in house or a mix of both? Like, what do you think is the best way for someone to get this whole content marketing thing done? Content is a really important element of, of marketing in the near future. And I think it's one of the areas that is least affected by external factors. So PPC, your campaigns might get smacked because your competitor can suddenly afford to spend way more money on a keyword than you can. Or your SEO strategy might go out the window because Google changes their algorithm. Whereas content is evergreen and it's going to bring in qualified leads consistently if you do it right. So I would say the first thing is to realize that content builds a lot of redundancy into your business. It makes you defensible because it creates an asset that increases in value over time and that can be expanded, that can be repurposed and you know it gets you in front of a lot of opportunities that other marketing strategies don't. So I think the first thing to realize is that it's a really important element to be factoring in your business, especially in the next few years. Whether you do it yourself or you have somebody on your team do it or you have an agency or a freelancer help you out, it's something that's really important and it needs a lot of attention, especially at the beginning while you're sort of figuring out exactly who your audience is, what the right offers to be making them are and how to how to speak to them, how to position your messaging.
most people see an ad and they're like, you know, that darn spammer, you know, I can't believe this ad is here. But you read a piece of content that someone wrote, or you read a book that someone wrote. I'm sure this book will help you get clients because it establishes you as an authority in the market. Like, hey, I know enough about this that I wrote a book about it. So yeah, can you kind of speak on how you think content builds authority? Because to me, I think that's one of the the biggest benefits when someone hears of you or they see an ad and then they go to Google you or they go to Google your brand and they see all of this content. I mean, it's it's really powerful. Definitely. Content is not an overnight success strategy. It takes a long time to build up momentum. But once it's going, it's really powerful. People build up this bank of information and will come to dominate search results for, you know, whole chunks of material, you know, you could search any kind of thing. And so for example, if you're searching for SEO strategies, someone like Viperchill is going to come up top of the results every time because he writes, you know, two or 3000 word blog posts that just give away the farm. He just tells you everything he knows and he will spend, you know, a month researching this really in-depth piece of content. He'll collect heaps and heaps of data and then puts it all into a post and people just want to share it. They bookmark it. You know, it goes completely nuts because they think I should be paying thousands of dollars for this information. It's so valuable. And he's put so much work into it that, you know, I'm not going to go anywhere else for SEO strategy. Like that's my guy. And so I'm not saying that you always have to be producing super long blog posts and that kind of thing, but you should always be aiming to give something that is very, very valuable and actionable so that you become the person that they think of when they have that particular problem. And there's really no other way that you can do that in your business except by content. You can't give the depth and the expertise that you can in a good blog post through an ad. So you need to sort of use your ads to get people to the blog post. And then when they're at your site, looking at your content, that's the point where you say like, here's why I'm really an authority on this. Here's everything I know. Here's everything that you need to take away from this. Here's how to leverage it. And it's so true. I mean, it, it does require work without a doubt. But I mean, just a perfect example is two nights ago, we're actually doing some videos specifically on the ketogenic lifestyle. Which is you know, intermittent fasting. So as a part of that research, our video guy recommended us checking out this guy who runs Kino Body. So I, I was doing the research just to sort of get more acquainted with what we were trying to do in our videos. But I ended up being sucked in by the content because it was so good. He was hitting on all my desires, all my fears, all my objections. So I must have read 12 blog posts, watched like wow. three different videos. I ended up buying like four of his products that night. <laughs> yeah. So like, they must Literally. be able to look at their infusion software or whatever. Like, who is this Ralph Burns guy? He just keeps <laughs> buying stuff. But it was because his content was so damn good. And I was like, wow, this is a really great case study, you know, that folds really neatly into what we're going to be talking about with Laura, because it was the content that convinced me. And the content is actually somewhat better than the product, as I'm sort of saying. But that's what made me convert. And I think, you know, that's a really important thing to keep in mind is that your customer out there is checking you out. And you can't just have a site that has, you know, a couple of blog posts. You got to put in the work because it does end up converting. Definitely. And I think further to that point is that you have to think of your content as the ambassador for your brand. If that is the first thing that somebody mm. interacts with in relation to your brand, it's got to be great. 
Because if it's sloppy, if there are spelling mistakes, if it doesn't make sense, if there's no way for them to get the next piece of content or to engage with you again, it's a completely lost opportunity. And so many people deal with their blog as an afterthought. You know, it's something that they update when they have an afternoon free or, you know, something really big happens. But that is not valuable at all to the end customer. It's not valuable at all to the people who are looking for the solution you have. And so you almost have a responsibility to the people in your audience to be putting out your best content and always putting your best foot forward so that they can engage with what you're offering and can make sure that they're getting all of those touch points with you that will lead to those long-term conversions. Absolutely. And a responsibility to sell the next logical step in the relationship, too. Like, I was ready to buy. I needed a step-by-step formula after I had sort of cobbled together all the different pieces of content. So you owe your customer to have a really kick-ass product that your content has, has convinced them that they now must buy. And it's a much more natural progression in the sales cycle. So, yeah, this is dead on without, without question, Laura. Awesome, Laura. You want to tell us a little bit more about your book and where we can find it? Sure. So the book was written for entrepreneurs and specifically with B2B businesses, but it will also work for B2C and e-commerce. The strategies just need to be adjusted a little bit, but it's designed for people who want to create a predictable content marketing system in their business. So most other marketing strategies are very systematic. There's a very clear way of making progress. And I didn't feel like there was something equivalent for content marketing. So this book Mm. is my complete process. So it's everything that I have used with clients all over the world. talks from a very high level strategic point of view. So the initial sort of background information that you need to have and the research that you need to do to make your content marketing effective. And then it goes right down into the very tactical stuff. So how to create uh, recurring content, your monthly blog content or your podcasts or YouTube videos or whatever it is that you're producing regularly, as well as how to use long form content assets like books or training courses to really make a very big impact in your industry to really set yourself apart as an authority and an expert. Books, I think, are still really the ultimate calling card because if somebody sees that you're an author and Mm. if you send them a physical copy of your book, that's a really tangible, physical sort of pattern interrupt that you just can't really replicate online. or So, you know, it can really, really set you apart in an instant. So talking about how to leverage those kind of assets, then going into uh, some of the key areas of email marketing, SEO distribution, and copywriting, just so that you sort of have a complete toolkit to work from. So basically, I'm hoping that the book will serve as a complete map to a successful content marketing strategy for business owners. Awesome, Lauren. You can find a link to the book in the show notes at digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. I think you have a direct link to Laura um, at laurahanley.com forward slash content that converts. That's it. The other thing, too, is that I noticed that Laura is certified as a content marketing specialist through Digital Marketers Program, too, which is a great program. I would highly recommend that. Yeah, it's a a great course. And I think that anybody who wants to learn the good principles of content marketing, I think, should definitely check that out as well. I'm getting your book. This is good stuff. I'm I'm stoked. I love the the planning. I think if you're not doing this already, I hope hope you're excited as much as we are to uh, start planning this stuff out. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. I really hope it's been good. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you, guys. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks, Laura. Bam. We will talk to you on the next one. 
You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.